Have you ever wished you could hear from a certain dead half-Klingon ambassador again? Find out exactly where you can on this exciting episode of STTNGs. Hey, welcome everybody to STTNGs, not another Star Trek podcast. Oh, it's my favorite Star Trek rewatch podcast. How about you, Dave? Me too, me too. I, I, I second that emotion. Excellent, excellent. You know, this is also a very special episode, Dave. Tell me about it, Andrew. We recorded an interview with the great Susie Plaxon. Susie Plaxon? The actor who played Kalar? The great Klingon badass character who, of course, they also killed in the episode Reunion. Spoiler, sorry, folks. Yeah, that's right. You were there, too, remember? I was there. I was in the room when she died. You were there recording with me, Andrew. Oh, oh golly gosh. You're right, Dave. I was there. And, and you know what? I'm never going to forget it. It was a wonderful experience. I had so much fun talking to Susie. She's delightful. Yapping with Susie. She really was open to this discussion and so friendly and energetic. It was really a good time. And I hope that everyone else can tell it's a good time. We did have a lot of fun, and she ended up giving us a, a lot of really juicy bits, more than we thought. She was very generous with us. So hang on to something stationary, everyone, and listen to our Galaxy Class interview with the delightful Susie Plaxon. So, hey, everyone, this is the part you've all been waiting for, right? Instead of listening to us knuckleheads yammer on about Kalar, what if we talk to the actor who actually played the late great Klingon herself? Wait, are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. Susie Plaxon is here. We've got a very special guest. Welcome, Susie. Hi, Dave. Hi, Andrew. Hi. Hi. So, Dave, you, of course, know Susie Plaxon from the four roles she played on three different Star Trek series, right? You know, Dr. Salar, of course. And then, of course, our beloved Kalar. Yes, and Lady Q in Voyager and Tara in Enterprise. Susie's also done theater, TV. She's a film actress. She's been in productions like Mad About You, Love and War, Wag the Dog. Dinosaurs, and everybody loves Raymond. Well, yeah, okay, but she's also a multimedia artist, Dave. She's done voiceovers, she's written short stories and poetry, written and performed an alternative country rock album, come on now, what? and created a philosophical comedy solo show, written and narrated the allegorical myth, The Return of King Lillian. And she produces sculptures large and small in her otherwise unused oven. Susie's also the author of the newly released audiobook, The Poor Dead Kalar Show. A little audiobook for Star Trek fans. It was engineered specifically for you guys. It's a ton of fun to listen to. Yeah. And we can get a virtual copy at SusiePlaxon.com, right? That's the only place you can get a, a copy. It's for $12.12 and it's 35 minutes long. And it's sort of an odyssey of uh, me going back through the roles I've played and uh, stories about Dean Roddenberry and Michael Westmore. And then, and then at just the right time, certain people return and tell tales. Did you reveal that Kalar is in the audio recording? Oh, yeah. The climax of the audiobook is the return of Kalar as written and performed by me. It was loads of, loads of fun. What we talk about on the podcast, really, we try to approach it from like we're looking back on it after 30 years, and it's more of like a fan thing than we're like digging into 
crazy production gossip or anything like that. We're really just reacting to it. When you first read Kalar's death scene, we didn't see that coming at all when we first saw the show. Well, it affected the heck out of me. Dave had to listen to me, you know, moan about it for 30 years. <laughs> what was it like when you read that the character had been killed? I think there were, what, three years between the first episode that Kalar appeared and then Reunion. Right. My agents called me and said, oh, they want you to come back on Star Trek. In those days, I was pretty much, you know, you're a journeyman actor. You do a guest spot here. You pour your heart and soul into it. If they want a little fraction of it, they'll take it and then you move on and whatever. So they said, oh, you're coming back to Star Trek as as this half Klingon character and they're going to kill her. I was like, oh, no. The first thing that occurred to me was I was thrilled and terrified that I would be really bad at dying. (laughs) It was the actor's mind going, oh, my God, what an amazing challenge. Oh, shit, I could be really funny at this by mistake because my muses comedy and tend to be music oh no can i pull this off so it was sort of terrifying and again thrilling and then when i read the script i went oh oh okay she's found pretty much dead i can pull that off (laughs) right i don't engage with sci-fi never really much have dimly i thought well that's sort of a missed opportunity then you just get thrown in the deep end and you gotta swim Sure, sure. It wasn't until the years passed. I ended up running into Ron Moore on the Paramount lot and walking around Paramount. And he was telling me how much hate mail they got. Oh, really? wow. And he said that there was some letter that just said the and then just every curse word in the book who killed Kalar at Paramount Studio. And it arrived. And so we were laughing about that. And I just said, you know, not because I was hurt, but just because it was, I was curious. I said, well, why did you guys kill her? He said, I don't know. We just said, let's bring her back. And somebody said, let's kill her. And, you know, conceivable because, you know, these are young men. I don't know much about the the sci-fi landscape, but only the, you know, women in film landscape. I knew this was a powerful character, but I didn't really know that it was all that rare. I didn't learn that until as the years went by and I would run into somebody or there was a time where I was doing conventions and people would say, oh, I'm so sad. I was like, wow, this, this really was a thing. I'm always about myth, mythical implications of epic shows with epic characters and what that shines out into the world. You know, Star Trek is so aspirational. It's so about here is a future myth for us to pattern ourselves on. Kalar was such a strong, powerful, dynamic character. She stood out, man. She lit up the screen. She showed up in a rocket the first time. She was uh, rocketed across space when we first see her. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Of course, now from my point of view, I look up and I see the really sweet prop guy put the thing over me and go, are you going to be okay? It's only going to be like 30 seconds and then you're out of here. Great. But yeah, they delivered you by space Amazon and they crack you open. But once you're there, it's like, it's on. But here's a little quiz. What do you think the proper pronunciation of K apostrophe E H L E Y R is? Kalar? (laughs) (laughs) Really? I, I thought it was Kalar too. Is that not how they say it on the show? Shows up. And she says, I am Taylor. Oh. Oh. Taylor. I was told to pronounce it. I think it's 
beautiful. Yeah. I say Kalar as well, just because I'm not, I'm not a Sam. Sure, sure, sure. But yeah. I just thought, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to tell you, I, I teach English in my real life. I teach community college English. I'm, I have an entire life of correcting people's pronunciation. So I'll just add that to the quiver. You need to go back to the episode and see. Oh, we definitely will. There's not a lot of returning characters anyways on the show. So having your character come back twice was pretty unheard of anyways. Watching it 30 years out, it really was painful to see such a strong female character be killed like that. I mean, it was kind of shocking. I just wonder if, I just don't think that that would be done on a modern show. Fandom is something now that is some kind of tsunami of a force. I think that there would have been so much protest, Mm. or I don't think they would have wasted her, to be honest. Right, right, right. I'm not saying it because, oh, poor me. It was a great gig. I'm real privileged to have been on it. It's their show. And they needed this slot, I guess, to construct for some other reasons. Because that's what happens yeah. as an actor who's hired in and out of showbiz. It's just the way it is. It'd be yeah. very different today. I think they really probably mine more gold from that. Yeah, using I mean, using female characters. I mean, the idea is that it triggers Worf to go after Duras, and it's like you couldn't come up with another. Re- he didn't have enough reasons, but you didn't have to sacrifice Kalar for it. And that's our cranky rant that we uh, sometimes engage in. I tried to concoct a little bit of salve for that wound. <laughs> yes yes you did yes you did thank you, you you definitely did and it's so when when that part of the audiobook happens i mean it really is magical it's really oh, you do it really well you. it's great so so happy somebody said and this made me feel so good he said uh she righted a great wrong along the way mm, which i thought yeah, so yeah. poetic so beautiful and and it's it's moving to me it, so it, thank you. That makes me happy. It did feel good to hear her again. The I, first time I listened to it, I was on my evening walk. Dave and I had been discussing this episode, and I even told him before this episode, Reunion. I am holding a grudge on this. I mean, this is my nerd grudge. Nerds love their grudges, right? I get But when I was walking, at the end of the walk, I was like, wow, it's a good walk. I feel healthy, but I also feel lighter. I just felt <gasps> a little cleansed by it. Oh, my God. God, I mean, you really probably couldn't have written something to make me feel that happy. I love hearing that. Thank you. I'm so, so glad that that's the feeling that you got. Yay. That's why he's listened to it three times. (laughs) And you'll see, I think you guys know, or you can sense now that you've heard it, I'm sort of mama bear protective over Mm -hmm. the fans' experience of the audiobook. And I was fiercely protective of the audience experience who was seeing it live. Part of my thing is I should have probably, quote unquote, should have been more entrepreneurial, but, uh, and allowed people to post it and talk about it on YouTube and do all of that stuff. I wanted it to be this kind of underground secret. You know, they'd come in and see this Mm. demonstration and then boom, there's Kalar full blown doing this thing that I'd set out to do. To me, that's exciting. What I did as her, I made them take an oath of silence. Oh, oh okay. All I right. told them to put down their bones of eye and their weapons and their cameras. <laughs> oh, good. And to take an oath of silence upon their integrity. I do so swear. Okay. You know, I think. But what happened, of nice. course, at the beginning, they're like, I, I don't really want to take an oath of silence. But I, as Kalar, said, I do not 
hear enough enthusiasm. Nice. <laughs> and they just snapped to it every time. And it was a blast because then everybody bought into it. They were really strong right. about it. Put those phones down and they took that oath as sort of silly as it seems. Yeah. Within that context, it became what yeah. theater ought to be, you know, really right. alive and really present. And right. nobody's on their phone halfway there, halfway not there. Everybody's just experiencing it. And I might have done it a lot more if I'd allowed the secrecy not to be there. There's something about this that I just say, wow, I just hope that people love it enough that they tell each other. Yeah. Right. This is us telling well, everybody. Yeah, We're telling not. everybody we know. I think it's incredibly generous. It is funny. I did I look you. for it on the because I figured it had to be on the internet because I wanted to see it so badly after listening. And, you know, obviously it's not there anywhere, which no, will you, no, will you, that was no easy trick. I had to really, really fight to make sure I, I protect the fans experience because I, I like to protect my own. The KLR show I saw in my head, there's a lot of really good effects. You guys did a grand job. There were a lot of, you know, <laughs> KLR was larger than life and there was, yes. yeah. There were no uncomfortable uh, convention chairs. It was all very exciting. <laughs> right. Susie, will you, do you plan to do it again? Because I still want to see it. If, if no. Okay. That's, no. Right. And it's just like everything else. I think it's a good lesson for not just me, but for everybody. When a certain opportunity comes up, if it's not taken or if it's not really valued, it's lost. Yeah. I'm not somebody anyway who likes to go back again. I, there's too many things to create. There's too much... There's too much life to live. So, you know, been there, done that. And cool. proud to yeah. have done it. Especially something, like you said, that made you feel lighter. I mean, that that's really the kind of cool. point of it in some ways. So on the show, we definitely talk a lot about costuming. I'm so fascinated by the different, just the callers on the show. We couldn't help but notice that Kaylar's wardrobe kind of got an upgrade of sorts. Yeah, you mean in reunion. Well, it's fascinating. One person's upgrade is another person's dulling down. For okay. me, now oh, nobody okay. said to me, okay, listen, she's coming back and she's been promoted. So we have to dress her in a sort of more militaristic looking mm -hmm. thing. That wasn't it. It was, she's a mother. They didn't want her oh. to be sexy. Oh, oh, really? Honest to God. Because really? the costume designer had this fabulous idea for that gray military costume that was yeah. put the straw on. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. They also wanted to put, I can't remember if I, if they did or they didn't, they wanted to put me in Spanx. I suppose you gentlemen know what Spanx are. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, now I could use it, but then I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> then I didn't need it. And it was going to make me look a little more matronly. That's crazy. What? Yeah. And then you look at the hair. Now, right. I don't know if you guys are old enough to know Annette Funicello in the beach movies. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. sure. To me, there was a little Annette Funicello when she came back. Oh, really? So her hair was different, too? I didn't realize that. Too goofy to yeah. me. I don't want to ruin anybody's good time. But to me, <laughs> I looked at, you know, and whatever you resonate with, you resonate with. Sure. As I looked at the first one, I thought, isn't that interesting? Because she's sort of wild woman, badass. Right. Right. And those costumes cost like $2. They were just dan skins that people put oh, on. Oh, wow. Okay. Still, my hair was, you know, the braids <laughs> right. in the front. I did that with the wig for Kayla on stage. We put a lot of braids in and made it look really cool. She was just more superhero-y badass. Right. I right. secretly thought to myself, oh, it's like they're taming her. Yeah. Right. right. That's a good point. That's terrible. They don't ask. I just work there. Um, right, attempt. Right. But I just heard those conversations. Oh. And the costume designer had this really super cool idea that was really sexy and strong. 
And he said, look, this is what I wanted. But they said, no, you have to cover her up. Oh, wow. <laughs> see, I see. I was thinking when, when I was looking at the differences, I'm like, oh, well, they're trying to treat her with a little more seriousness. Since you're coming back, they're like, eh, we'll put in, put in, uh, you know, 20 more dollars on this. But interesting. Art is relative. Sure. I know that was their reasoning. But I'm yeah. just saying no one came and said to him, listen, we want to give her more authority. Ugh. Yeah. She can't be a badass animal. We want to give her less sex. At least you didn't get one of those generic jumpsuits. There, there's a lot of jumpsuits on that show. Right. I mean, like a lot of jumpsuits. And when you see someone like James Cromwell, who's actually, you know, might even be taller than you. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. And he's running around in a jumpsuit. You're like, come on, really? They look like they got it at Sears. Well, I hate to hear that. But I mean, thank you for sharing that with us. But I, I mean, it just bums me out. I mean, just bummed out by her murder. And then, you know, to find out that she also can't be sexy before she's murdered is, is a real... It's a real shame. You know, that was the time. Yeah, sure. I don't think this is too much to let on. I remember Michael Westmore coming into the makeup trailer. and I was in there by myself and he had just seen the death scene. Now, the death scene now, it's like nothing. It's like nothing in terms of blood. But he came in and he looked a little bit pale. And he said, I just saw the death scene. And it was shocking. Really? And I thought that was really interesting. And again, I didn't have the sociological context of science fiction and and myth and how women are portrayed all sitting in my head at the same time. But I really remember finding it moving that he was shocked in the way that he was shocked. But I think the idea that not knowing how to pronounce the name that she spoke when she first got there and how it translated (laughs) into this other thing and killing her off without really a full wingspan may have one thing to do with the other. I don't right. know. I mean, I'm just right. posing it as a kind of no, fun, philosophical no. thought. I, I think those are interesting. And we talked a couple episodes back about, you know, we were bringing up uh, Dan Quayle and Murphy Brown again, right? And the, oh. the absolute scandal, you know, of Murphy Brown having a child out of wedlock. Yeah. And that, that was the values of those times. That was the exact same time. So right. we were yeah. still, I mean, we're always still emerging, but we sure. were just beginning to emerge into a different mindset. You were really powerful and dynamic as Kalar, but there was no fight scene. Was that ever on the table? Reunion, there's no fight scene. And, and, right. Oh, you you were, Kalar fought like crazy in her first appearance, but in, in Reunion, no fight scene. Playing around on the holodeck, but the, right. the, the second yes. one, you found her almost dead, right? Yeah, reunion, but don't, don't yes. say, Dave, don't say the fight was, was there a fight on the table? Because she ends up on top of a table when she's dead. So you might want to rephrase that. No. Was that, was that, did, did you guys ever discuss that? Was it in the script that there'd be a fight scene? Oh, no. Oh. When I read it, I said, oh, she's found dead. Okay. Well, that sounds like sort of a missed opportunity, but phew, I can die pretty well almost being dead. <laughs> I can pull that off. Uh, Susie, did anyone talk to you about a fight scene? I mean, you, you, you come in, such a dynamic character. They're like, oh, you know, we're going to find you on the table. It never came up between you and anyone else. Would you like to defend yourself? <laughs> yeah. Would you like to defend yourself? Would you mind before defending this yourself? Yeah. Correct. No, no. Again, and I don't mean to rain on anyone's parade, but I'm, I'm a temp worker when I show up at a place like that. So nobody's going to ask me anything. They're not going to say, what mm. great idea do you have, Susie? The thing <laughs> is, it's okay. They have to get this scene in the can. Like by the time right. it gets down yeah. to, the, to the set, 
they got to film it. They got to get it in the can because they got to do this next week. And then the next episode starts next week. By the time, you know, a guest actor jumps onto a machine like that, whatever the show is, I always used to say being a guest actor is like jumping on a freight train with two toes and then balancing and then jumping off because you're already on something with momentum. Unless you walk in and you're a big famous name, they don't really care what it is that Uh. you might to the table so that's the long answer and the short answer is no nobody ever asked (laughs) nobody ever asked and nobody ever would but this is also why you've done so much tv because you have this working actor's perspective you totally get it well we we definitely want to i I, we cannot thank you enough for taking the time to talk to us about kalar about everything else thank you Susie. it was so so much much fun you guys and uh, much appreciated and your your response to the audiobook and the audiobook, of course, is The Poor Dead Kalar Show. A little audiobook for Star Trek fans. And it's available at suzyplaxon.com. We'll include a link on the website. And yeah. it's only available on suzyplaxon.com, not on Audible, not on wherever. So, dear listeners, don't go wandering around looking for it. Just go to suzyplaxon.com. Come on now. It's not that hard. No. Okay, thanks Thank so, you much, so much, Susie. It's so lovely to meet you. Happy trails. Oh, man, that was so awesome. I, I It was really a wonderful time talking to her. I'll say. I got to tell you, and I think I said it in, in the interview, too. If you would have told me 30 years ago I know. I'd be talking to Susie Blackson, I would not have believed it. I was always, like, freaked out when I saw her, like, in things like Wag the Dog, where I didn't expect to see her. Yeah, she was good. I'd be, I was the only one in the theater who went, it's Susie Plaxon. She's yeah. Kalar. Yeah, yeah. It, well, she was on so many things. I mean, she was on Mad About You. She was a regular on that show. Yeah. She showed up in just everything. Well, she didn't show up in enough things as far as I'm concerned, and Kalar didn't either. So that was a great interview. I mean, the sound quality wasn't the best, but not the most controlled circumstances. What can you do? I'll say. And 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 <laughs> so make sure that you pop on over to SusiePlaxon.com, S-U-Z-I-E-P-L-A-K. K-S-O-N and pick up a copy of the Poor Dead Kalar Show, a little audiobook for Star Trek fans. $12.12. I mean, come on. Such a bargain. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun. The audio, Her audiobook is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to tune in next time for the actual Kalar episode. That's season four, episode seven reunion you're in for one sad andrew everyone <laughs> why kalar why there there andrew no <laughs> lay your head on your captain's shoulder if this interview with Susie plaxon got you all excited about our podcast which you know was kind of the point of course then, then head on over to tng's T-N-G-E-E-Z dot com, where you can find a vast collection of our episodes. I'm Commander Davy Dave signing out. And I'm Ambassador Andrew. Let's go mind the store. I will. No ears were harmed by listening to this podcast. I don't know about that. I'm an ear and I found it really painful to listen to you sometimes. Mostly because that audio quality. What'd you guys do? Uh, record that in a dumpster? <laughs> That's what it sounds like in a dumpster. Shut up, ears. Just shut up.
Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you just hear that? Well, I guess you probably did if you're still listening to this. STTNG's Not Another Star Trek podcast just interviewed Susie Flippin' Plaxon. K-Flippin' Lore. Wow. How did they land that interview? How did they not mic it better? Oh, anyway. Up next, it's even more K-Lar. Up the proverbial space butt. Because it's Season 4, Episode 7, Reunion. That's right. It's the episode where our most fabulous Klingon badass gets axed. Kalar was a character a lot of people loved. And they loved Kalar, again, because she was a strong woman. She does that thing we talked about that Q and Lore do by piercing right. the, some of the arrogance and bullshit of the show. And Kalar dying leads the boys to working a lot out. I understand, Traveler. We treat women in the same way you must in your continuum. I know it's the 24th century and all, but... They dive deep, deep Klingon lore. At, I think you're talking about Kittimer. Goddamn Kittimer. And, and Andrew... Well, he really goes through some shit in this next episode. Arctic catharsis. I really want to purge my soul of this. Oh, as long as you feel better by the end of this, that's what's important. I, uh, yes. And it gets even deeper when the boys get their thinking caps on. Duras is the son. Wait, hold, hold on a second. Of the man. I, I'm writing this down. the Klingons at Kittimer. Thank you. Andrew and Dave think about all the great secondary characters. But in Sins of the Father, they frame up right. Worf's father. And, of course, murderous tar entities with emotional issues. Hey, hey, hold on a second, guys. Yes, Armis. It's Armis. It's Klingon lore. Take the fall for it because Duras and his family are an important part of the Klingon council. It's the late, great, badass Kalar. Why didn't we give Worf a little crystal of Kalar? He could have treasured that. Huh. It's gooey entities. Remember me, guys? It's Klingon lore. Duras has no problem blowing the council up if it means that he takes control because he literally tries to blow the council up. And even more. I know, I know. I'm sorry. It's season four, episode seven, Reunion. On your favorite Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast. And Andrew's Tears. In Targ Shit. STTNG's Not Another Star Trek Podcast. I'm with you, but you might want to. Dave spends a lot of time cutting things I say. Don't worry. Attaboy. Attaboy. <laughs>